Thank you for downloading this sermon. We hope you've been blessed by this ministry. If you'd like to give back, please invest in the future of Clearnote Church through our capital campaign, Faithful Through All Generations. To make a donation, visit clearnotebloomington.com slash give. It's good to have you all here this morning. And we're going to uh, eventually come to the text about the shepherds. But uh, I want to do a little bit of an overview of those who were aware of what was going on at the time that Jesus was born when he came to this world and the people that were in the know. We all like to be in the know about things. Have you ever known about a surprise party? And if you liked the person, been excited about going to the surprise party, right? Knowing the secret or a special gift that someone was going to receive that you were excited that you knew what the gift was or perhaps, uh, perhaps if you're married and you've had children, you had uh, parents that would be grandparents and you knew the secret that you were going to have a child and they were going to be a grandparent. Uh, Annie and I would be excited when we would be able to tell our parents about a uh, coming birth of one of our children. Now I call my mother to tell her she's going to have another great-grandchild. And uh, it's number, I think the next number to be drawn is 52 great-grandchildren. And so I call my mom and I say, good news, you're finally going to be a great-grandmother. And she just kind of does this old hat laugh, right? Because she's, I've heard this before. I've got to knit another blanket, you know? <laughs> but there, there were those who knew about Jesus. And a, a very specific few, actually, that knew about him that we want to look at this morning, and this isn't in order of importance or appearance. I just want to talk a little bit about the, the different ones that knew. And so one was a priest named Zacharias who was scheduled to minister in the temple at the time just prior to Jesus' birth. And Zacharias had a wife named Elizabeth, and the Bible says that they were uh, godly, righteous, walking blamelessly in all the commandments and requirements of the Lord. I'm going to be reading places from the first and second chapters of Luke and the first chapter of Matthew today, but you can just listen. They won't be up on the screen, Um, just so you know where I am. And this is from the beginning of Luke. And so Zacharias is ministering in the temple, as was his time to do. And he was a man who was godly. And as he was ministering, an angel appeared to him to tell him that his wife was going to give birth to a son, and that son was going to be named John, and John was going to be the herald who would tell everyone uh, who would prepare Jesus Christ's ministry to begin. John was going to declare that the ministry of Jesus Christ was going to happen. And so when the angel came to Zacharias, he was afraid. Now we always tell people here 
about angels and how, our, how we should actually understand them. Because our, our society has ways that they look at Christmas and it has ways that they look at angels. They look at Christmas with any store you go into playing Christmas songs, so one time it'll be something very, very traditional uh, as a hymn that's full of meaning and very good spiritual theological meaning. And the next song will be something with a lot of jingling and biddly bop. You know, just scum, okay? Scum music. (laughs) And so you, I see that hand, I guess, is what you're saying. And so you see that in the world and you realize that these people are playing music, but nobody's really listening to it, and very few people have a concept that right next to right next to something that's talking about the birth of the eternal God incarnate on earth is some biddly-bop song about deer and, and, you know, mama getting run over or grandmama getting run over. And so we, we live in this all the time. Well, it's this way about angels. We have this thing about angels where we, we think about angels and we decorate our trees with them and we, and we, uh, uh, talk about them, and we write poems about them, and uh, we have pictures of them, and dolls that are angels, and and angels aren't this way. When when Zacharias was ministering in the temple, and the angel appeared to him, he was afraid. He was afraid because an angel is a terrifying presence. An angel is a presence of of an otherly sort. If you took me. I'm a large guy, but if you took me and you stood me next to a, an NFL linebacker up here, you would say that this, there's me and then there's an otherly type of sort of, of uh, creature, right? And, and you would say, yeah, there, I can see the differences there, A and B, right? But take me out of the equation, you put the linebacker here and you take one of the heavenly hosts and put next to him. And you say, okay, wait a minute, categories are all gone here. Something completely different we have here. Because here we have a man that's formidable as a specimen, but here we have one of the angelic hosts used by God to accomplish his bidding who sees the face of God who fights against principalities and powers, who is powerful beyond our imagination because he comes as, an, as a soldier of the armies of God. And this is who comes to the temple to meet with Zacharias and to tell him about the birth of John. And so Zacharias hears it, and with all of that reality as introduction, he is still disbelieving because his wife is old. And it pleases God over and over again to show his power by doing things like giving children to women who were barren when they're very old. In the scripture, it happens more than once. And Elizabeth is one of those women. And so John, or so Zacharias didn't believe the angel. He just thought, how can this happen? She's an old woman, right? And so he was disciplined for that. He was struck mute 
And he would not talk for quite a while. In fact, he would not talk until his son John was born. And what happened was that when they took John to have him circumcised, as was the requirement of the law, they were going to name John. And the people said, what are you going to call him? And, and Elizabeth spoke, which probably was unusual, and she said, his name is John. But they all knew Zacharias was having trouble talking at the time. So they asked, and Elizabeth said, no, his name is John. And they said, whoa, wait a minute. There's nobody in the family named John. Choose one of the other ones. We have a, we have a Samuel, we have a Eleazar. Choose somebody else, but there's nobody in the family named John. You're starting something new here. What's going on? And so Zacharias took a tablet of some sort, and he wrote on the tablet, his name is John. And immediately, his mouth was opened. And so that was the end of God's discipline of him for his unbelief because he saw it happen. And it was at that time he was able to, again, rejoin the conversation. And he rejoined the conversation in a beautiful way because he rejoined the conversation full of the Holy Spirit prophesying. Now, this is the way you want to wake up from your mute state, right? You want to wake up from your state of mute discipline to be able to declare the name of the one who's coming to be the forerunner to Jesus Christ and to prophesy about God's greatness and what he's doing and what he's about to do by sending the one who would be what, what Zacharias by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit calls the sunrise from on high to shine upon those who sit in darkness and who sit in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the way of peace. This is what Zacharias got to say. He was in the know. He knew what was going on. He was one of those in that crowd. Well, as was true of Zacharias, was true also of Elizabeth. She was his husband, and she was also a godly, godly woman. She knew what had happened with Zacharias. And Elizabeth gets a visit from Mary. Mary is told by the angel that she's going to give birth to the Messiah, and we're going to get to Mary in just a minute. She's told by the angel she's going to give birth to the Messiah, and she immediately goes to Elizabeth's house. They must have been really close. And as soon as she comes in the door, Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit, and the baby in her womb jumped. Now, I'll never have a baby in my womb because I don't have a womb. But those of you who are moms who have had babies in your womb who've jumped, anybody? Somersaults? Well, this baby jumped and Elizabeth knew that the jump was the response just to Mary's voice. We don't know if the, if the spirit had overshadowed Mary at this point. We don't know if Jesus was in her womb, it doesn't say but we knew that she believed. And while she wondered about the situation, it was interesting that contrasted with Zacharias, Mary believed. It says that when Elizabeth 
uh, is filled with the Holy Spirit, she cries out in a loud voice and said, blessed are you among women and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And how has it happened to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For behold, when the sound of your greeting reached my ears, my baby leapt in my womb for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what had been spoken to her by the Lord. Unlike her husband, who doubted. Mary never doubted. She wondered, but she didn't doubt. She wondered, how can this happen? But she didn't doubt. She believed it. Did Zacharias and Elizabeth actually see Jesus? Well, I, I think probably. There's a good chance of it. I don't know where they lived, but they were around Jerusalem. We know that Mary and Joseph brought Jesus to Jerusalem, to the temple, when they were supposed to, right? We're going to get to that in a few minutes. But I wouldn't be surprised that they did get to see him, but they were there, and they were in the know. They knew what was going on. They were they, they knew about the surprise. They knew about the gift that was coming. Well, then there was Mary. And Mary gets a visit from the angel. And Gabriel speaks to her, and he brings the message of her being chosen by God to bring the Messiah. And she believes. And as she meets with Elizabeth, she also sings the song that we're familiar with, that the men have set to music. My soul exalts the Lord, and my spirit has rejoiced in God my Savior, for he has had regard for the humble state of his bond slave. For behold, from this time on, all generations will count me blessed. For the mighty one has done great things for me, and holy is his name, and his mercy is upon generation after generation toward those who fear him. He has done mighty deeds with his arm, he has scattered those who were proud in the thoughts of their heart. He has brought down rulers from their thrones and has exalted those who were humble. He has filled the hungry with good things and sent away the rich empty-handed. He has given help to Israel, his servant, in remembrance of his mercy, as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham, and to his descendants forever. Mary, of course, knew that Jesus was coming. She had this reality in her body for nine months. She had the visitation from the angel, and she carried the Christ in her womb. What about Joseph? Joseph was also visited by an angel, but he wasn't visited until after it was known that Mary was pregnant. And he was visited in a dream. And the angel said, Joseph, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife. The one who is in her womb is conceived by the Holy Spirit, and you should call him Jesus, and he will save his people from their sins. He is the Emmanuel. And when Joseph woke up from his dream, he believed it. And then he acted in accordance with it. There were at the time wise men in an eastern country. And we all see them as these characters wearing crowns with, with gold gilded boxes in the nativity scenes. The reality is uh, we don't know how many there were. We say three because they list three gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Um, 
We don't know their names, but there's, um, there's like, uh, I can't think of the name of the word. What's that? I didn't hear it still. He's deaf and his mind stopped. Tradition. Is that what you said? Yes. There's tradition as to their three names, right? But we really don't know who they were. And so, as these men journey from the east, they come because likely they're following a prophecy that was made by Balaam. Balaam was a prophet who God disciplined in the Old Testament, but who God used to speak truth. And so they probably came based on a prophecy from Balaam about a star coming out of Judea. And then they had further information, being from the east, they might possibly have known about Daniel and his life in Babylon. And Daniel prophesied about the time when the one would come and what would happen, and he had given the length of years to the time that Jesus would come. And probably these men, possibly from Persia, probably these men were studying all of these things and looking for this to happen. And they realized that the star had appeared and the time had come, and though they say started journeying. And they had to go like seven, 900 miles, something like that. So it's kind of like going from here to New York. Only they didn't hop on a bullet train or, or hop on a plane. They had to travel the old way. They might have walked, they might have ridden a horse or a camel. It was a long journey. And they finally got to Jerusalem and they got into town and it wasn't like you could pull out your iPhone and type in the White Pages app and, you know, Jesus the Christ, okay? Okay. Oh, he's here at this address right now. They had to go into Jerusalem and they had to say what? Where is he that is born the king of the Jews? We've seen his star in the east. Where is he that's born the king of the Jews? And it created some problems. It created problems because Herod found out about it and he didn't want any competition for the throne, right? And the Jewish leaders found out about it. It said nobody was happy. The Jews weren't happy. Herod wasn't happy. Nobody was happy but the guys who came from the east. Everybody was threatened by the thought that the Messiah had come. They did tell the uh, wise men that he was supposed to be born in Bethlehem. Herod says to the wise men, well, go and find him, and when you find him, let me know where he is. I want to come and worship him too, right? It's interesting always to me that with Herod's belief, believing and fearing so much that he made arrangements to wipe out all the male children under a certain age in Bethlehem. With Herod's belief in, in what these men were saying as they came to see the Christ, that it doesn't show that anybody from Jerusalem that was part of the Jewish leadership or the Jewish religious authorities went with them to Bethlehem. It's only nine or 10 miles from Jerusalem to Bethlehem and none of them went. But the wise men went, and they followed the star, and it led them to where the baby was. Now, we don't know how old he was at that time. He might have been one year old. He wasn't still in the stable. And so they came, and they worshiped him. 
And, when, and finding him wasn't easy. You know, there was a, there's a church on the north side of uh, Cincinnati, between Cincinnati and Dayton, and it's that church that has the giant uh, 60 foot, they used to have the giant 60 foot tall styrofoam Jesus like this with his arms over I-75 until lightning struck it and burned him down, okay? And uh, there's a lot of things to be thankful for when you think about it. And so I remember they had one of these signs that when you drive by that cost about, you know, more money than, than even Phil and Jody wish they had to buy all the special stuff they want, right? And they had this sign that would just blast out anything they wanted it to blast out. So we would we drive by at Christmas time and uh, the sign would be there and it would just giant letters. You could be traveling, you know, they, they gauge the size of letters on highways by the speed that you're traveling. So you have 20 mile an hour letters, 30 mile an hour letters, 50 mile an hour letters. I mean, the space shuttle could be driving by these things and read it. Live, live, live. Nativity, real, real, real camels, real donkeys, real people. Live, live, live. But as the, as the, the wise men from the east came into Bethlehem, there wasn't any sign like that. There was a star that God appointed. And they followed it to the place where Jesus was and they worshiped him. They brought gold and frankincense and myrrh. They got on their knees and they gave homage to the incarnate God who had come, the King of kings and Lord of lords. Like Zacharias, like Elizabeth, like Mary, like Joseph, these men knew what was going on. They knew what was happening. They believed. And then God warned them not to go back and tell Herod where he was, and they went home by a different route. And then, of course, Herod, being evil, had the children of Bethlehem killed. There was another man, and he was a prophet named Simeon. And Luke chapter 2 says that Simeon was told by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he saw the consolation of Israel, the Messiah coming. And so Simeon wasn't always in the temple. The scripture says specifically in Luke 2.27 that He came in the Spirit into the temple the day that Jesus' parents brought him in to fulfill the requirements of the law. He came in the Spirit to the temple that day. Simeon was there. And that he received Christ into his arms and he blessed God. And he says, now, Lord, you're releasing your bondservant to depart in peace according to your word for my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, 
a light of revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. And then he turned and blessed Mary and prophesied over her as well. You know, the men have set this to a song that we sing at Christmas season. And when you're older, that song means more to you. You realize that death is closer. When you're young, you think there's no such thing as death, but when you get older, you know death is real. And when you sing that song, you realize that Simeon was saying, okay, everything's resolved. Everything's done. I don't have to worry now. I can die in peace because everything's done. And it's a beautiful, beautiful thing when you consider that our lives aren't just empty until the last moment when we decide that we're going to, but that this man's life was filled with obedience to God and expectation of God and expectation of the fulfillment of God's promises and that he lived his life righteously. And when it came time to die, he just, there wasn't anything to worry about, nothing to be afraid of. There was also Anna the prophetess in the temple on that day. It says that she never left the temple serving night and day with fastings and prayers. She was 80, 84, 84 years old. And when she saw this event of Simeon holding Christ, she began giving thanks to God and continued to speak of him to all who were looking for the redemption of Israel. She knew. Simeon knew, Anna knew, the wise men knew, Mary and Joseph knew, Zacharias and Elizabeth knew, and then we come to the shepherds. And as we read in the text, the shepherds are on the side of the hill at night, and suddenly the angel comes, and of course they're terrified, because remember, angels are terrifying. And the angel says what they typically say, and that is, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. If there's something to be afraid of from an angel, you probably won't hear him speak, right? Because he's come to take you. But no, he says, don't be afraid. And then he tells the shepherds what has gone on. I bring you good news of great joy, which shall be for all the people. For today in the city of David, there has been born to you a savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find the baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there appeared with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among men with whom he is pleased. Now, not one angel anymore, a multitude. And I don't know. I think I'd probably melt to the ground in fear. And we're not talking about God. We're just talking about servants who stand in his presence. And so the shepherds go to Bethlehem. They say, let's go and look. 
So they went in a hurry and found their way to Mary and Joseph and the baby as he lay in the manger. And when they had seen this, they made known the statement which had been told them about this child. And all who heard it wondered at the things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary treasured all these things, pondering them in her heart. The shepherds went back, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen, just as had been told them. The shepherds are a little different than everybody else, it seems like to me. And we always think of the shepherds as being humble, and I'm sure they were. And it was God coming to a humble group of people to tell them about Jesus. But I can't help but believe that it was very significant that the one who would be the Lamb of God who would take away the sins of the world would, would have a visit on the night of his birth by the shepherds. He's the Lamb of God. And it's a beautiful thing when you think about it, that Jesus came into the world and he was the Lamb of God and that would be the message that he would have spoken over him and that the shepherds would come and worship him, that they would be present. They were in the know. They knew about, they knew the secret. They knew who this was. They had been told who this was. They knew about the birth of Christ and they knew why it was significant. Now, there were a lot of people who knew about the birth of Christ at the time that it happened. I mean, the wise men came to Jerusalem and told all these people, right? Uh, a woman visits to the town because of the taxation thing and she's out in a barn and has a baby. Does nobody know? Does nobody know that a woman had a baby in a barn? Yeah, somebody knows for sure. And then everybody's telling people, the shepherds are telling people, lots of people know that Jesus is born, but they know in a way that it's just kind of information. A baby was born in a barn. Oh, that's nice. He's the savior of the world. Oh, that's nice. Would you like fries with that? You know, it just, just comes through like white noise in their lives. But all these people knew, they knew that Jesus was the Christ. God had let them know. He made sure that they understood what was going on. He made sure that they knew that the Messiah had come. And this is something that pleases God. He wants people to know that the Messiah has come. So he hasn't stopped doing this. He hasn't stopped letting people know. And you say, well, no, God doesn't do it anymore. Evangelists do it. And I say, yeah, evangelists are an important part of the whole process, yes. Preachers do it, yes. Preaching is an important part of the whole process, but there's more to it than that. Because the Bible says that God is the one who takes away the white noise. God is the one who takes away the veil so that people can see the glory of Jesus Christ. And so he took away the veil for Zacharias and Elizabeth. He took away the veil for Mary and Joseph. He took away the veil for the wise men who came. And he took away the veil for the shepherds. And he took away the veil for Simeon and Anna. But he's, he's done this now for centuries, taking away the veil over our eyes that obstructs and obscures our view of the reality of who Jesus is. That he is the Christ, the son of the living God. 
that he is Emmanuel, God with us, that he is the one who came to redeem us from our sins. And so God hasn't stopped choosing people to know. 2 Corinthians 4, starting at verse 3, for even if our gospel is veiled, even if there's a curtain in front of it, it is veiled to those who are perishing, in whose case the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelieving so that they might not see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. For we do not preach ourselves, but Christ Jesus as Lord, and ourselves as your bondservants for Jesus' sake. For God, who said, let light shine out of the darkness, let there be light. The God who had the creative power to speak all of the creation into existence. The God who said, let light shine out of a darkness is the one who has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. We know because God shines in our hearts the light of that knowledge. Or we don't know because he doesn't shine it there. God still chooses who will see his Christ, who will be in on the truth of who Jesus is. And so this morning, is this a reality that you know? Do you know who Jesus is or is it just white noise in your life? Is it just background music? Do you know who Jesus is? Do you know that you had to be saved from your sins? Do you know why you should be glad? Do you know why you have reason to have joy because of the birth of Jesus Christ? Do you know why that a light had to shine in the darkness? It's not because there wasn't any darkness. It's because all there was in our hearts was darkness. All there was was rebellion against God. And the light had to shine there to make us alive. We're gonna close and sing, God rest ye merry gentlemen. And you know, we talk about from year to year the meaning of God rest ye merry gentlemen. Let nothing you dismay. And people sing this song all the time. You hear it on the radio all the time. God rest ye merry gentlemen. And what you're thinking is a whole bunch of guys with nice mugs in their arms. Merry gentlemen. God rest ye merry gentlemen. But it doesn't work, does it? Not when you listen to the rest of the song. Let nothing you dismay. Remember, Christ the Savior was born on Christmas Day to save us all for, from Satan's power, for we had gone astray. Oh, tidings of comfort and joy. Comfort? Why? What do we need to be comforted from? Not running out of alcohol. That's not what we need comfort for. We need comfort because we're in the darkness and God has shown a light into the darkness so that we can see, so that we can be delivered from our sins. This is something to be known. This is something significant. This is a big secret that it's nice to be in on. Are you in on it? Do you know 
the light of God's gospel? Do you know the knowledge of Jesus Christ? Do you see God in his face? I pray you do. I pray you do. Let's pray this.